0: Listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast,
1: serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready.
0: We're long and busted.
1: This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode.
2: I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? Where's this place?
0: It's a freak show.
1: The Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 163. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And Miles, tonight is a good night. It is the last show that we do before we head on down to the Farpoint Con.
2: I am so psyched to be going to Farpoint
1: I can you know it is like coming home and I'm very sad that I unfortunately will only be able to spend one day there.
2: But, yeah, but you have family obligations. Well,
1: yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Family obligations. I was going to say family vacation, which isn't quite true. Right. Uh, my wife, if, you, if you've been with the podcast long enough, you know that we uh, kind of are supporters of Haiti. And my wife will be heading down for a five, a seven-day stint in Haiti, which means I'm in kid duty. And it just so happened that she typically would try to avoid this con stuff that we do. Um, but with people that she's meeting down there, it just worked out that she had to be down there over this time. So... I, you know, blessing to her as she goes, but uh, that means I'm on dad duty, and I do have uh, people watching the kids today, so we'll be down on Saturday. But I'm excited about I'm so I'm, so, I'm thrilled, and we have interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, man, we have tons of interviews. Uh, All we're, right. We're interviewing every single person there except for...
2: Uh, uh, sadly to say, we can't talk to Felicia Day. But unfortunately. <laughs> well, maybe we'll to talk to her, say hi to her, but not yeah. to get to interview her.
1: They will get my picture with
2: her. Uh, we, we, we should definitely do that. <coughs> but hey, listeners... David if- Moulton. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, listeners, if you're going to be at um, Farpoint this year, let us know. Maybe we, we could uh, uh, meet up with you I know that
1: Neil is. I'm sure that Torpette is. And, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris, her husband. I'm, I think that the Frazes will be there. I didn't for, actually check. It. I
2: think the Frazes will be there. We'll probably see Lou there.
1: Yep, yep. So, he'll, he'll definitely be there. Felicia's there. Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> Lou, are you going to b- bid for... Uh, one of the biggest fans. You're you going to bid for a, a lunch with Felicia Day again this year? Oh, maybe I'll have to go against him.
1: I do <laughs> I don't have kind of money, but... Uh, that is, uh, yeah, so so a lot of good friends. Mike from Brown Coast Redemption, I met. Oh, yeah, i see Mike, too, yeah. We, see, we have this whole family that we kind of go down to, it feels like we go down to visit. and so.
2: Right, so this is going to be wonderful. I'm Steve to... Wilson, uh, mm-hmm, see Steve Bessie there. Childs,
1: who has been mm-hmm. absolutely awesome to us. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, we mentioned David's name. Uh, because I'm only down there Saturday, it just so happens that this year, I was like, I'll go down Saturday because that's when all the interviews are. But it just so happens that this year the way things got set up, only one of our interviews is on Saturday. We're interviewing the guy from Revolutions and Once Upon a Time. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't have his name right on my fingertips, but um, should. But the rest, John
2: Carlo Esposito.
1: Oh, Miles, thank you for being that fountain of useful information. Sometimes,
2: sometimes I can sometimes
1: pull it out of the bag, right? Uh, And then, but then the rest of our interviews are all scheduled for Sunday. Okay. So he we said, "Well, rather than miles flying solo, we've had David on before. He was on with the Terminator podcast we did oh about a year back, mm-hmm. and um, so we're going to bring him on. He's going to be kind of a co-interviewing and just hanging out at the he's con and my, covering the con. Be my wingman, yeah, be definitely. <laughs> so, um, and so David's an all-around neat guy who's excited to be able to do that. So, and
2: he's a podcaster himself. So,
1: <clears throat> yeah, check out the Landcast if you are interested in finding out." Some of the local things go on in this little hub called Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Right. Which most people think Amish live here, but, um, you know, yeah, they, 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 do, they do. And, they do. They uh, do. <laughs> uh, what people don't know about you, Miles, and they've never seen you, is that you really are Amish. Right.
2: <laughs> right. right. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> right, right. Which mm-hmm. explains a glass of wine that you had earlier tonight. and uh, that
2: Explains that, too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: you know, and the car you're driving out. No, I'm just kidding. mm mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, so we are very excited about Farpoint and uh, seeing everyone down there again. Oh great. yeah, it'll be like I'm trying to get a panel set up so that we can uh, do the whole panel thing regarding um,
2: Fringe. Fringe,
1: good, yeah. good, so good. Neil said he would sit on the panel with us. again. Oh, good. So, well, he did the last one, but the last time I had to do it, you were somewhere else.
2: Yeah, I couldn't make it for oh, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, you couldn't be yeah. there, so
1: I covered for you, man. I'm Just good.
2: Kidding. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you have to excuse my cough tonight. I'm gonna be doing. Yeah. Gonna...
2: This time, it's, it's Scott's turn to yeah. be um, sick as I'm a dog. Coffer.
1: I'm going to try. I have a, my mutant button within reach, so if I can hear it, feel it coming, we're, we're good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move into our show tonight. What is on the menu? Should I read the lady's name to start off?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, so you had a chance to interview a real live astronomer.
1: Yeah. So this is Susanna D'Estois from the Hubble Telescope. She's working with the James Webb Telescope. So it is our first scientist I think we've ever had on the show That may not be entirely accurate But it's the first uh, a scientist in astronomy Definitely mm-hmm. that we've had on the show So that's awesome What else is on the docket?
2: Well we have a, we have a winner who responded to the trivia So we'll be announcing the, the winner For the, our last uh, trivia And in TV news <coughs> um, Walking Dead will be back But we thought we could look back At some of Walking Dead's uh, season three's Most shocking moments so far um, and movie news, we announced a while back that J.J. was not going to direct the, the, the new Star Wars movie. And so th- this news is a little old, but I thought it would be good for Scott and I to converse about it. And to, it at still... our two cents. I think
1: it, the news broke like the day after we recorded our last podcast, so we haven't recorded since. So,
2: but, uh, so J.J. is directing Star Wars yeah, yeah. Episode Seven. By the way, sci-fi Christian beat us
1: at this story. we got to take him down.
2: All right. Well, we'll have take to... Him.
1: You hear that Matt DeBono? Take him down. That's no, Ben DeBono. Sorry.
2: I'm just <laughs> combining them all. But anyways... Go ahead. And in in, in uh, this week's twist, um, so Abrams talks uh, Star Trek Two, um, teases the relentless sequel in, new f- in some new footage, and we'll also air the Super Bowl ad that was um, there. And um, we're going to be doing our sci-fi rerun. We're going to be reviewing Blade Runner. So I thought for our sci-fi five five, some good, uh, some great uh, Blade Runner quotes. Yeah, very good. <coughs> awesome. Well, let's move into our trivia tonight. Yes. So uh, I asked. Last time, what does Walter Bishop and Brainiac have in common?
1: And they had the option when they answered this to give two pri- to get two, one of two prizes. Mm-hmm. One was what, a Star Trek comic book?
2: Right, the 100 page Star Trek comic book. And story. then they had an
1: mm-hmm. option for three audiobooks, Star Wars audiobooks.
2: Mm-hmm. <coughs> and um, so the winner for the, the answer to this, this trivia question is, um, is John Noble. John Noble. He he is what Walter Bishop and Brainiac have in common. Yeah.
1: Actually, and there's one other commonality. Yes. They both had lobotomies. That is true. <laughs> and that is the answer that we mm-hmm. got in, and I said, that is a good answer. We'll accept that. <laughs> we will accept that. Mm-hmm. So um, Code word was
2: fan and our winner... Our winner...
1: Mark Wilson. So,
2: Mark, congratulations.
1: We will get that out to you. I will have to get your address from you, and uh, I have your email, so I'll just harass you via email for that,
2: mm-hmm. so... So, yeah, John Noble is going to voice um, the Brainiac character in this upcoming Superman animated movie, which I'm, I've am i seen the trailer for. I'm really looking forward to.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing us the trivia. Sure thing. Let's move into our first pro tonight. Um, we were talking about this lady on the last podcast I did with Larry Demichek. And mm-hmm. that is, of course, Televixen is back with right. DVD Geeks. John Champion and Televixen do a phenomenal job. They were on hiatus. How long were they on hiatus? It- it, probably a good two
2: months or longer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So some shows just do that for whatever life things that happen and things that work around. And we fortunately have never taken that long of a break. I think the longest we've been to has been a month. I'm maybe, not sure. Maybe, but even then we were releasing material that we had kind of in reserve mm-hmm. to kind of put out. So what it probably didn't feel like a month to you It felt like a month to us, mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> but they're both um, very busy people with their own projects uh, uh, as well. I mean, John, he he co-hosts the um, Mission Log podcast as well, and um, but but they they've come back. They released an episode this past Monday, and if you if you want hear some good um, good talk on what DVDs you you should be getting, maybe ones to avoid. Um, and now they have a new feature uh, Net, Net Netflix pick of the week. They'll review a movie on Netflix, so uh, they don't claim to be experts e- experts, but um, I, I think their their opinions sound very professional to me. So. Um, I, I enjoy hearing them review uh, DVDs and Blu-rays.
1: Well, there's a mo- they're movie lovers, and who mm-hmm. isn't, really? Right. But All right, well, here's a promo for DVD Geeks. It's the DVD, DVD geeks. geeks.
2: Real fans with real opinions. Every Monday
0: from 7 to 8 p.m.
2: Central on FearlessRadio.com.
0: FearlessRadio.com.
2: Remember, scene selection is not a special feature the DVD Geeks on FearlessRadio.com. For more information, point your web browser to DVDGeeks.tv.
1: And we are back. Miles, let's start out with talking about some TV
2: news that we have tonight, mm-hmm. and uh, rumors have it that uh, we have some Walking Dead that's coming up. Right, uh, so Walking Dead, by the time this episode will air, I mean, Walking Dead will have already been out, but I thought it would be good if, um, so this article on Blaster, they have uh, some of uh, the 13 most shocking moments of Season 3. So far. So far. but right, uh, it's not over yet. It's not over yet, so there, there's a lot more that, well, other ways to shock us.
1: Okay, so do we want to do, like, Every other one in that, that sounds good.
2: All right, why don't you start? Okay, so The Walking Dead has brought a, 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 their A-game this season. This isn't the same group of survivors from three years ago. They've turned to lean, mean, killing machines. After an uneven second season, season three has been firing on all cylinders. Within the first eight episodes, we've seen multiple deaths, and we're not talking random zombies. Characters have come and gone. The danger continues to rise. Here are 13 of the season's most shocking moments to date, and obviously, could be spoilers ahead. So, one was the machete to the head. Uh, from the moment he stepped on the scene, Tomas was trouble. He was pompous, selfish, and reckless. Rick gave him fair warning about his attitude, but he continued to push it. The last straw was when he casually <coughs> threw a walker in Rick's direction. At that point, he signed his own death certificate.
1: Mm, that he did, that he did. And let me be clear that I've watched exactly three episodes of this season, and that's as far as I've got.
2: I've oh, got you have it. a lot to catch up I on. I do
1: a lot to catch up on. So Some of these I will not have seen, but mm. T-Dog checks out. This is still grinds our gears when T-Dog made it to season 3 we thought maybe just maybe he'll get more screen time unfortunately his biggest episode was a swan song when the walkers invaded the prison T-Dog was bit he still soldiered on it wasn't until later that he met his messy demise in an effort to save Carol he sacrificed what was
2: left of his life yeah that was a sad moment yeah uh, next is Laurie's death and Carl's a uh, kill shot not to sound cruel but Laurie's death was inevitable in her world pregnancy is a death sentence She was forced to give birth via C-section with Carl's hunting knife. There was no anesthesia or sterilization, just blood and guts. After she passed, Carl chose to give her the final death blow. a shot to the head. Uh, So, no, no, how (laughs) can you cry in this scene? When Rick heard of uh, Lori's death, he broke down. There was nothing anyone could do to console him. The acting was top-notch. The look Andrew Lincoln gave uh, uh, Chandler Riggs. uh, Carl deserves an envy in itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Governor loses his cool and his eye. Thanks to, was it Mekone? I think Michonne. Michonne, sorry. <laughs> Michonne, the governor's hideous inside can match his outside. After watching her kill Penny, he lost it. He didn't care about appearances. He just wanted Michonne to suffer. They had a knockdown, drag-out fight that resulted in her stabbing his
2: eye. If Andrea hadn't stepped in, his neck would have met Michonne's sword. Yeah, I can't wait till to, you to see this and get your feedback. So the next is, Will he or won't he? The governor tortures Maggie. This is one of the most disturbing scenes of the season, and zombies weren't involved. The governor uses intimidation to demean Maggie in the worst way. He led her and viewers to believe that she would be raped. It was disgusting and showed how twisted he really is. We could barely keep our eyes open for, during that one. And See, that's
1: the way I felt about this season. One of the reasons I haven't made it past episode three is I felt like when they upped it a notch with the gruesomeness, I just really had trouble watching mm-hmm. it. Not because it's not a well-written show, just my sensibilities are a little bit um, delicate. Weak. <laughs> Weaker mm-hmm. than yours, maybe, I don't know. Um, um, Glenn fights Walker while tied to a chair. Glenn's known for being fast and resourceful, but this was pushing it. After Merle left him bound and defenseless against the Walker, we thought he was a goner. Thankfully, he picked up a few tricks while he was under Rick and Daryl's tutelage. It was a nail-biter, but somehow, some way, he managed to get out of
2: there. Yeah, Glenn is really starting, has really sh- shown as a character. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The governor reveals his fish tanks. Um, this is the moment we knew the governor was more than just a dirtbag. How does he unwind after a long day's work? He sits in a dark room and stares at floating zombie heads. You would You would argue he's trying to numb himself to the horrors of reality. Unfortunately, that doesn't make him less creepy. Ooh, and Shane
1: returns? Sort of. By the end of Season 2, Shane was nothing but a walking... Walking testosterone. He bumps heads with Rick at every turn. Therefore, when he was finally killed off, we were ecstatic. So imagine our surprise when he popped up in Woodbury. Granted, he was a figment of Rick's imagination. We hated Shane, but loved his portrayal, John, uh, was it, Bernthal? It took us back to the good, bad old days.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Herschel loses it. Yes, Herschel's an active senior, but he should have sat this one out. While on the move, he was bitten by a walker. To keep him from turning, Rick had to act fast. Herschel endured a hor- hor- horrifying surgery where Rick hacked off his leg.
1: Oh, brutal scene. I did not see that.
2: <laughs> yeah. The camera didn't shy away from the blood and bone. We saw it all. We still have nightmares about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely.
2: Mm-hmm. The group versus
1: riot gear walkers. In order to survive, you have to adapt. While clearing out the prison yard, the gang counter a new type of walker. They were protected by riot gear. None of their usual moves work. Luckily, Maggie found a way to get around them. Go for the neck!
2: (laughs) That was cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, Rick and those creepy phone calls. While in the throes of grief, Rick got the phone call. If you (coughs) haven't read the comic, you didn't see that part coming. A part of us thought it it, it could be legit. But then we realized something was up. Rick wasn't talking to anyone from the outside world. He was chatting with dead people. Dead members of his group, to be exact. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Darren Merle's horrible family reunion. Once Daryl learned Merle
1: was in Woodbury, we knew it was a matter of time before they reunited. Unfortunately, the governor kidnapped Daryl and used him as a power play. He wanted to punish Merle for his lies. Michonne's still alive. Surprise. So he pitted brothers against each other in a fight to the death. It's a revelation that's yet to play out. Expect to see the aftermath of next week's The Suicide King. Right, so... And it returns this Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern <coughs> Standard Time. And, um, 9... PM on the Pacific time and AMC.
2: So you looking forward to it? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to walking. How many back. episodes is this season? You know, I'm not sure.
1: That's a good question. We could check IMDb, but we won't.
2: Mm-hmm. Because of the show.
1: But,
2: well, very good.
1: Well, let's move into some special interest story. This actually came, comes out of an interview we did. Oh, when did we did it? When did we interview these guys?
2: Oh, it was probably over the summer sometime.
1: Yeah. So about a year ago, we uh, interviewed these guys. These are uh, the guys from the, Um, That did the comic, or the cinematic comic, the cinemagraphic, I guess they called it, uh, of uh, Legends of the Space Lord. Well, mofo, because we're in polite company, right, Miles? Right. Uh, But they've gotten signed with an independent distributor who's distributing the work, and I thought we'd give them some press on this. And in case you want to go back, they are now releasing it uncensored because some of the stuff you were giving away from free was a little bit censored. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and that was pretty uh, graphic. So imagine what this would be uncensored, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, be aware this is probably not a family-friendly thing, but uh, the title should sell you that anyways. Um, it's uh, basically the story is, if you need a rehash of it, Space Lord Mofo said to be a one-man army who's walked into a bar and let loose a hell that destroyed a city. Of course, the truth behind the tale is something more, but there's a truth for another telling. We picked up the thread some two months later the dust-choked hellscape of Tomb Towers, the last almost-civilized city on the edge of End space That's the kind of place where trouble always comes calling, and today it rode in with a capital, Bofo. From the awesomely disturbed mime to Pac-McNamon, McNamara, thank Ma- Ma- McNamara. Yeah, thank McNamara. Saying Angel Witch series and David G. Williams, Wolverine, Doombringer, Catwoman, and Flesh and Spirit. The Legend of the Space Lord Mofo is a arse kicking, kick ass, mm-hmm. uh post apocalyptic space western love story with guns, presented in the trailblazing digital sinographing novel format, like Marvel's Infinite Nova and Thrillbent Insufferable. The Legend of the Space Lord Mofo is for a mature audience. Well. Not for kids, anyway. We're not sure about the mature part. Yeah, I wonder why they <laughs>
2: use that word mature. Yeah, I mean,
1: what are we talking about here? There's nothing mature about it. Yeah. So the the first episode has been released. It's 196 panels, 28 pages. Uh, follow that with why Digital, and then they have a 22 page Meet the Ironclad Imagineers making featurette. So they have a lot of different stuff that they're doing here. Um, but that is available. Oh, I sh- I'll probably have I'll, I'll have the link somewhere in there. But they are they're with. Um, they're with this company, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'll put the link in the show notes because for some reason, it's not here and I thought it was. But, but anyways, if you haven't checked out their comics, you can ch- check it, out, through
2: <coughs> I'm check sure it you, out their website as well. I'm sure if you, you Google, you know, Space Lord Moffo, you'll probably find it. Yep. So, Miles, why don't you tell us some startling revelations? All right. So, Miles, why don't you tell us some startling revelations, something we are unaware of? Well, it's probably a little old news now, but I think it does bear mentioning, and I think it'd be good if Scott and I converse about it a little bit. So, we announced before that JJ was not going to direct Star Wars Episode 7. However, it seems he has a change of heart. So, last we heard JJ Abrams from Star Trek and Lost. He wasn't too interested in tackling the upcoming Star Wars trilogy. Looks like we, he might have spoken too soon. The Rap is reporting that Abrams has signed on to direct Star Wars Episode 7. Their initial report has, has since been corroborated by Variety and Deadline, source called the, the negotiations of a done deal. If, it, if it's true, it'll mean that the geek god has a hand in both the new runs of Trek and Star Wars. Disney hasn't officially confirmed it yet, but, but wow. Abrams has played coy when the prospects of directing this one came up, but the guy is a huge Star Wars fan. So who knows? Maybe Disney offered him a deal he couldn't refuse. The report says Lucasfilm head honcho Kathleen Kennedy has been given Abrams the hard press to sign on which isn't too much of a surprise. The man, the man's about as, as close as he can to a golden goose in Hollywood these days. Another interesting tidbit, Ben Affleck from Argo is apparently on the very short list as well. And as has been previously reported, Abrams will be working on from a script written by uh, Michael Arndt um, from, from Little Miss Sunshine. Assuming there is report pans out, Abrams will have to head almost immediately into production on Star Wars to hit the proposed uh, 2015 release date. Considering the fervent love genre fans hold for the franchise, it should be interesting response across the spectrum to see how the world reacts. Yes, Abrams did introduce a whole new generation of fans to Trek, but he did it by making it hip, cool, and throwing the old conventions out the window. Will Star Wars fans be open to a similar approach? Here's my problem with this. Okay. First of all... Nowhere,
1: and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. nowhere, nowhere have we heard J.J. Abrams say anything Mm -hmm. about this. All we're getting is what these stories are out there. Now, he's not denying it. So that's positive. Mm -hmm. But neither has he come out and said, hey, this is a done deal. And so part of me holds all the press we've been hearing about this with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not sure, until we hear it from the man, the man J.J., right? You know, God of our <coughs> Trek universe. Until we hear from our, you know, Trek God, mm-hmm. that this is indeed a done deal, I I believe it and want to believe it and uh, believe that if he does choose to do that, that Obi-Wan Kenobi has influenced him with his mind powers, his Jedi Probably. mind tricks to make him do it. but. Not a done deal with my prospect until he actually says it.
2: Yeah, I, that, that's true. I, at the moment, I'm going to assume that that this is the case that he's probably going to direct.
1: Yeah, you know, we know what assuming does. Uh, that is, okay, <laughs> you're right. You're no, right. No, I'm just saying. I I I, mm-hmm. I really believe me. I'm as I'm as geeked out as po- as possible mm-hmm. with the prospect of him tackling Star Wars. I think that. He will bring a freshness to it, a vitality to it. I think it'll stay with the same feel of the movies but be a fresh take on the movies. And so absolutely, totally gung-ho about this. I'm a little bit perplexed about the timetable because we do have another Mission Impossible that's going to be coming down the pike mm-hmm. that he's supposedly directing. And will that be happening before Star Wars? And will that push the timetable back? So how hard and fast is Disney with uh, with the idea that it has to be... Tw- 2015, or is this a 2017 movie that Star Wars is happening, and mm. or does JJ Ray range his shooting schedule and push, you know, Mission Impossible five or six down the pike? I mean, where does that all go?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not sure how how he's going to juggle that. I mean, and then what's going to be with Star? I mean, Star Trek three. I mean, they're going to wait another four years after um, this. After after Inner Darkness, we can wait till. 2017 or so for that one so i mean we'll, we'll I mean, he's got to be juggling a lot a lot to, to make this happen now do i think he, he can direct star wars and do a good job with it sure i think he can i mean yeah he is a fan of this of the franchise but he hasn't worked with the franchise and so i think i think he i i think if, if he if he is given a shot with star wars i think he can make it really good
1: uh, yeah, and there's no doubt that if JJ gets his hands on it, he'll do a stellar job with it. He mm-hmm. just does. It's a, it's part of the art of what he puts into mm-hmm. crafting movies. You know, he's he, he's a golden child with it. So
2: right. So, um, but man, to have, you know, to be to direct a Star Trek movie and a Star Wars movie. I mean, that's you know that that's got to be a feather in his cap to be able to say he did that.
1: <laughs> right.
2: So, what do you think, listeners? I mean, is J.J. Uh, Abrams directing Star, Star Wars a good idea, bad idea? L- let us know.
1: Please do that. While are we moving into this, we can track?
2: Sure, let's do that. Well, before we play the play trailers, uh, uh, Abrams uh, he, he teases the relentless sequel uh, in some new footage. Though he, he talked about a lot about Star Trek Into Darkness over the past several months, J.J. Abrams m- makes it a, a point not to reveal too much, ain't that the truth? Luckily, his latest interview with the flick is, is spliced with some new, intense, new new footage, so we get some nifty details regardless. A new feature promoting the sequel has surfaced, featuring interviews with Abrams and the cast, and Abrams promises they're uh, upping the ante this time around. Uh, uh, judging by the footage, he is not exaggerating. We get to see even more of these insane FX set pieces, though. The director also says each member of the enterprise will have their own moment to shine. We've been hearing for a while that the story is is heart and heart rending so here's hoping uh, Abrams can uh, find the right balance.
1: Yeah, here's a clip. The goal for this movie was definitely to up the ante as much as we could. There were a lot of characters that people were anticipating seeing, Kirk and Spock, Bones, Scotty, Uhura, Chekhov, and Sulu. I am more excited than I can tell you. The action in this movie, the scale of the movie, is light years beyond what we did in the first movie. It was pretty magical to see what they were able to create this time. I think it's stunningly beautiful. The one I keep on coming back to is just relentless. One thing after another after another after another.
0: This is the kind of film that 3D is made for.
1: Without question, the IMAX and the 3D of it, I think, will give viewers yet another level of excitement. This movie was the most fun and challenging experience that I've had. This is like everything I've ever done wrapped in one movie. That's well, kind of nice to hear him talk about that. Oh, yeah. The actors talk about it.
2: I, I think... What, what well Zoe Saldana said this movie was made for 3D and um I think she's right I mean this is um a lot lot of stuff in this you know is any movie really made for 3D I mean come on mm-hmm. but you're saying this one is well she says it is and I'm thinking she might be right
1: um you just believe the hot chick you, you know, anything they say you'll believe Miles
2: well I may be a little more persuaded in that direction <laughs> yeah. I'll say. Yeah. But but we also have the Super Bowl ad that they played at the Super Bowl. Oh, we do. Should I play that too? Look, sure. And uh, we got new footage in that as well? We have a little bit of new footage, yeah.
1: You think your world is safe. It is not. Who the hell are you? I am better. At what? Everything.
0: We begin.
1: We get a little bit more of the villain.
2: Well, this is why I don't think it's Gary Mitchell anymore, because Kirk asks who he is. Um, so
1: he says, "I am better."
2: Yeah. So what leads me to believe I don't think it's Khan, but I could believe it's one of Khan's super soldiers that was with him. Maybe he because they show this. It looks like it's this room full of um, caskets, but they they don't. They're not really caskets. They look more like I don't know what to call. It. I mean, they're um, these stasis tubes or whatever. And so I wonder if they find the Kobayashi Maru and somehow this you know Benedict Cumberbatch's character gets out and he's the one that causes causes all this havoc. So that's my theory.
1: You know, I kind of like the idea that it's one of Khan's super soldiers and not Khan himself. Mm-hmm. This allows him to be one of the people maybe we saw on the planet, but not the exact Khan replica, but has a lot of the Khan influences.
2: Right. I mean, he could be a genetically engineered... Oh, yeah. A super you know, soldier, so, et cetera. Exactly. So... Yeah. Um,
1: and you get that from, I am better than everyone. Right. right. Whatever he says there.
2: And and the way he, he's, he's kicking butt and taking names, you know, leads me to believe that's... He might, be, he might be a genetically engineered Superman.
1: Yeah. Uh, Laurie, uh, uh, Laurie said, I was thinking it might be Gary Mitchell, but after this, I'm leaning toward Khan, and that's kind of... You at least said the Con. You aren't saying it's Khan. You're saying it's one of Khan's henchmen, really.
2: Yeah, I, I just don't think it's Con because he just... Um, because J.J. said it's not.
1: And we've got to believe everything he said at face value.
2: Well... <laughs> <laughs> well I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the, the John Harrison thing, I mean... Um, I mean, well, maybe if he is, you know, if he is a, one of Khan's super soldiers, maybe his name is John Harrison. It just yeah, seems like go. something to throw us off. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, the other thing that
1: I uh, liked that you posted on Facebook, and this isn't in the clip, was the, guy, uh, the guys from, uh, oh, I forget where it's from, but one of these people were, um, I should get the story here since it's right here. But the video was Zachary Quinto. Oh, and yeah. He said, and he's running around with a mic. Uh, this guy's running around with, it's a funnier die. Mm-hmm. I think it's funnier die running around with Zachary Quinto and saying, okay, we're going to play a game called, uh, you know, he's Spock. Do you care? Right. And, and like, no one was recognizing him. Some people were believing him. And some were like, Hey, you do. I love it. Fan. Right. But just a variety of responses. It was kind of fun. So, and, uh, they had to have a lot of fun just doing that.
2: Oh yeah. And like I said, I, it would not just be sufficient for me to say, you know, Hey, I big fan. I, I would have to, you know, Insist we get a picture, and you know, oh yeah, he, he would have to endure at least five minutes and be geeking out over him. So. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I think they did it one take. They were just running there with the camera one. I know.
2: One day. <laughs> so. Maybe, yeah, so that, that that would have been cool to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anything else on our sci-fi trek news this week?
2: I think that's uh, that's sufficient for now.
1: All right, well, let's move into our last promo tonight, and our last promo is promo, if I can speak here, is with our good friend Colin from Trek News and Views, yep. and rumors have it that you have made a mysterious appearance back on his podcast again. <laughs> I don't know if it's through a time-dimensional vortex, but what's going on?
2: Well, we are talking about time travel here, so uh, no, we, we did the last bit of uh, time travel Star Trek. We talked about the movies, so that should probably be in the, in the next time he releases a, a podcast. So that, that was a lot of fun. It, um, it was me, Colin, um, Max and Mike from uh, Commentary Track Stars, and um, uh, Andrew from uh, Trek FM. So we, we, we it was nice just um, bantering about uh, time travel and Star Trek.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, here's a promo for Trek News and Views. Have you ever thought to yourself,
0: I'd like to listen to a Star Trek podcast that's different?
2: I'm ready to irradiate
0: your existing brain cells. Oh, how about one with an English host? T.L. Hot. Or a news section? Accessing library computer data Or one that can help you navigate
1: for the latest Star Trek news Can anyone remember
0: when we used to be explorers?
1: Well, not quite But Track News and Views will bring you the latest news With either review or discussion From a wider variety of co-hosts Oh my Don't accept anything less
0: And you people, you're all... Astronauts on some kind of Star Trek.
1: Track News and Views, iTunes,
0: Stitcher Radio, and on the Track FM website. Other similar podcasts are but to be discouraged. <laughs>
1: The, was it thirty-four? Right, 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 right. And it was, this is was an interview that uh, I happened to lamb And Miles decided that hey, work was more important than con. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> just giving you a hard time, Miles. Um, but I landed in an interview with Susanna Deustois from the Hubble Telescope, who works with Hubble. And what's cool about this is she's a scientist, an astronomer, and it's our first astronomer we had on the show. Right. Occasionally,
2: we'll give you real science on the Sci-Fi. Right. Podcast. And
1: uh, this is one of those occasions. Mm-hmm. She's working in particular with the James uh Webb Space Telescope. They had a nice little display there. And again, they do a beautiful job of photographing space. And so we're gonna bring you this this interview with Susanna Dostois and uh from Shorleave uh thirty four. And if you get a chance, please come out to Farpoint, Come out to uh um, come out to Shoreleave. They these conventions do more than just give you Science fiction geekery. They do that. But then there's also a lot of real science uh, oh, yeah. that's, uh, that's often here. You'll mm-hmm. hear it's a con that if you're interested in writing, podcasting, it can give you some hands on experience with that. Uh, crafts, games, you name it. It's a great thing. But this is with Susanna Destois from the Hubble Telescope. <laughs> Scott Hertzog here with the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And I am sitting down with Susanna Deustois, uh, an associate scientist with the Space Telescope and Science Institute. Hey, hi, and she works for Hubble. To and uh, so welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast.
0: Thank you, it's a pleasure.
1: Yeah, so y- you know, you you get hailed as being the first scientist that we had on the show. And so yeah, so it's really it's really cool to have on. And
2: I, have,
1: I am a fan of astronomy. I've always had dreams of being an amateur astronomer and getting my own telescope, which I haven't done yet, except for a real cheap thing that didn't work very well. But I can remember as a kid going out and charting the stars and the constellations. Can you tell me a little bit about what drew you into the field that you're working in? And maybe clarify a little bit about what you do.
0: Alright, so why don't I start with how I got into
1: it. Let's start there, the beginning.
0: Okay, so when I was a kid, um, I wanted to be a doctor, an artist, Car mechanic, a seamstress, and a psychologist. There you go. Then I went to college and I started majoring in, in economics and I took an astronomy class and I said, That's it. That's what I want to do when I That's grow up. That's what I'm doing. So I started majoring in physics, took all the physics classes, did all the math, took the astronomy classes, went to graduate school astronomy and
1: The rest is history. And and here you are now. And here I am now. And so, just to clarify, we said that you work with Hubble, but you gave a little bit more precise definition of what you actually do. Okay,
0: so I work for the Hubble Space Telescope, and the Hubble Telescope currently has four active instruments. Okay. One of them is the Whitefield Camera 3, which was installed in 2009 on the the last servicing mission. Okay. So when I say I work for that camera, that means I support the users, the astronomers who want to take images with it, take data with it. And it also means that I am one of the team that monitors that particular instrument to make sure that it continues to work well and produce. Excellent science. Excellent
1: science. So, uh, and, and so, does it bring down images every day? Every day. every day. Every day. day every going. day
0: we get several hundred images from the wide field Camera
1: cameras. And you get to, and do you get to see them right off? Of
0: that? We do. We get to look at them as they come down, um, mostly, and in fact, primarily, to make sure that the that the cameras are working as they're supposed to. Right. But right. we let the, you know, the people who requested the data are the ones responsible. For analyzing right. and getting all the science out, of it. we don't
1: do that. I've always been so amazed by the Hubble images in general, just because of how beautiful, how beautifully it photographs the sky.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it, it, it's incredible, the images it pulls in. It is, that's Except because
0: it's a very <laughs> high resolution, high fidelity um, telescope. How? Wh-
1: Tell us a little bit about that. What is the, what's the range, what, what sort of,
0: are
1: we are talking about high resolution, what are we talking about here?
0: We're talking about being able, <laughs> able to see, let me give it to you in science terms first. All right,
1: very good. So
0: imagine that every little pixel, every little um, imaging piece of an instrument can see um, four one-hundredths of a degree. Yeah. That's very, very small. That's like a dime at the distance of the moon, for example. Wow. So that's wow. high resolution.
1: That is definitely high re- that's definitely high resolution. And then you're photographing the
0: Then we're photographing the the, the sky or interesting objects right. in the sky.
1: Um, and even the not
0: so interesting ones. Right.
1: Say, right. You know. Uh, and Do you, are you in charge of them positioning the camera for that or how does that happen automatically? I mean... No,
0: there's actually a whole team of people. And that's not your team? That's not my team. There's a different team (laughs) that is responsible for for the scheduling. So people put in their requests, I'd like to observe this galaxy. At this time, and then the schedulers say, "Okay, let's see what we can do because we have a queue of ob- of objects that needs to be observed at about the same time." So then they ma- they make the decisions as to what the sequence of the. And how interview. big is that queue? Is
1: that like days, weeks, months, week. 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 week at a time? A week at a time. Wow. What's been the, what's been the biggest thing for you as you work through this? Like, what's been the the most gratifying thing as you work through this, the, the Hubble?
0: What I think is really amazing is that we have an instrument that is capable of delivering images even today that lead to breakthrough science. And the reason I think that's amazing is that when you remember that Hubble was designed almost 30, 40 years ago. I
1: was going to ask as my next question. Right. So when, when was Hubble launched into space? Hubble
0: was launched in 1980... Nine. Okay. It's been operational now for almost 23 twenty three years, yeah, wow. twenty odd years, and have, and the thing that I think is really cool is that the the uh, um, computers that run Hubble are less powerful than, than people's iPhones now.
1: I know, isn't that amazing? Isn't that is incredible.
0: And I find that absolutely awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and you think, uh, and so this plays in a little bit into uh, you, we're here here Leave, and part of why we're here is because of the James Webb Space Telescope coming up. How how does, uh, can you t- I guess first of all, people are pretty familiar with Hubble. Hubble's been around for a while. And so if you've grown up in the classroom, you've heard of Hubble, you've seen a lot of the images, either in the newspaper or in your textbook. Yeah, or in your textbook. Uh, how does the James Webb Space Telescope, how is that going to be different when that's launched? I realize 2018 that gets launched, right? And so, tell us about that a
0: little bit. What makes, what makes James' Webb different is that, first of all, it's almost uh, three times the diameter. Of Hubble, which means it's a, it's a bigger light bucket, it will right. collect more light right. per hour, if you will, right. than Hubble does. Yeah. Um, the other... The part, computer
1: will be more powerful. The computer
0: probably. will be more powerful <laughs> and maybe up to netbook speeds. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, let's leave that aside because, you know, those systems have to be robust.
1: Right. Rather, I'm durable and not
0: right, and not break because there's there's no servicing.
1: Yeah, you can't
0: at at a million miles away. Right, you
1: can't run down to your local Dell and take care of it.
0: (laughs) but the other thing is that um, James Webb actually sees, if you will, at a different wavelength than Hubble. Okay. So James Webb Space Telescope is optimized, is designed to look in the thermal and mid-infrared, okay. which is the same type of um, region, if you will, of light that people who use night vision goggles use. Okay. So that means that we'll be able to um, see or image objects that are currently, for example, shrouded through through dust and other objects, yeah. that visible light, the light that Hubble works at, can't see through. So an example would be like, it's like x-ray vision, or x-rays let you see parts of the body that your eyes don't see. Right. So in, in a way, by analogy, James Webb will allow us to see objects and parts of the universe Hubble
1: doesn't let us. He's not capable of seeing. Right, and, and, and Hubble is so is only visible light, right? It's
0: only visible light. Only it's visible very, light. The very, the very near infrared. Right, right.
1: Um, and I guess it's saw some of that. When we did, um, when, when they did when Venus crossed in right. front of the sun. Right, uh, right. Uh, I was seeing the. Uh, I was watching it. The NASA feed online, and they were switching between the different views of that. And that's kind of what James Webb will do: be able to see the other. Right. Right. views uh, of
0: so, uh, the universe. Right. And the, and the really cool thing, I, I think, about 21st century astronomy is that we now have access to a wide wavelength range. So we have X-rays, gamma rays, visible infrared radio. And together data and images taken, you know, the whole um, ensemble of information actually will lead us to new discoveries and understanding new physics. That's And that, awesome. I think, is really key.
1: And that, is that what excites you about That this? is
0: what I think is really cool, because now we get to the physics. Right.
1: That's awesome. What What is the most interesting objects you've seen in the sky that you've really enjoyed looking at, that you're excited to maybe even have J, the James Webb Telescope look at?
0: Alright, well, I really like looking at stars, Okay. and in particular, um, I like seeing the, like the stars in the nebula regions, in part because I know that stars form out of gas and dust, right. and I just right. think it's really great. You can actually see the stellar nurseries right and stars form the building blocks of galaxies and stars are also the progenitors of supernovae, which I studied when we were looking for the when we are looking for the expansion of the universe, and then found that the universe was actually accelerating. We were using dying stars to map that out. That's awesome. So that's to awesome. me, it's this whole train is just very exciting.
1: Any nursery you particularly enjoy looking at?
0: I like them all. You like them all? I like them all. <laughs> uh,
1: that's that, and that's that's fascinating. What um, so? Where where does this take us? Where does the James Webb? Obviously, we're going to be able to look at stuff. Right. What are they hoping to find?
0: Well, one of the um, science goals for the for James Webb is to actually probe back in time to when galaxies first came. so um, almost half a billion years after the Big Bang. We
1: talking beyond quasars? Beyond that? Yes,
0: beyond quasars. Know. In the first no, half so so billion years after the Big Bang. So very, very early in the that universe. That. <laughs> and there are other science goals as well. So One is to be able to understand I'm the accelerating I'm universe, the what causes the, the universe expansion the to accelerate, water. which, I, of course, is near and dear to me. But in addition, also understanding how stars form and what different, what are the different locations where stars can form. So in, in some ways, um, James Webb is taking oh, us back yeah. to our origins. Origins of stars yeah, and galaxies of the universe. Until yeah. Until yeah. The beginning of time, uh, in a sense. Pretty much. At least yeah, as, as yeah.
1: far as we can understand it, right? Yeah. Right. right. Uh, my apologies. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but you're here. Uh, you uh, here? Was there anything no, else you, you, know? Want know? you want to share with our listeners about it? Where can they find no, no, more information no, we're either we're about so James Webb or the Hubble program?
0: Well, I suggest that the one-stop shopping website is www.stsci. Dot edu, which is the home for the Hubble Space Telescope and is, will be the home for the James Webb Space Telescope and from that website you can find links um, you to, Hubble, to Hubble, to James site, Webb, right here, to Hubble site, and, uh, to the yes our no, data archives, and, and all the awesome images that yes you see in the you newspapers. You can the download them your, for yourself. Yeah, yeah, put,
1: put them as screensavers the or something. They're absolutely, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. beautiful. absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much for sitting down absolutely. and chatting with yeah. us. And and we look forward to hearing more about James Webb as we as we get closer to the time. That's going to be here before you know it.
0: It's almost like tomorrow. It is. Well. Maybe that's a question
1: before we before I turn off the microphone. How long have you been working in James Webb? I mean, when was that? When did that really start?
0: Um, construction for James Webb started roughly probably five years ago. Wow. But the design has been in the works for probably close to twenty years. Wow. So takes,
1: so Hubble went up and they started designing Webb.
0: It takes a long time to get these designed and built. And and um, robust. The key thing here is they have to be able to, have to last. last a long time. Yeah,
1: very good. Thank okay. you, thank you so much for sitting down with us on the Sci-Fi Dinner Podcast.
0: My great pleasure.
1: We hope you enjoyed the interview tonight. Tonight, we have a very special Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And these, this is in honor of the fact that we are recording tonight in a few, in a little over an hour, an, inter- uh, an interview. Not really an interview, but our Sci-Fi Rewind with Wayne Henderson from the Tuning Into... Uh, from yeah. From the Tuning In with Wayne Henderson podcast, no, that's not quite right. But from Fringe Casting, the Lodcast, Lost Casting podcast, and Mister Kalos himself, Jim Arrowood, is going to be with us tonight talking about Blade Runner. But let's uh, go ahead. And so what we have tonight are five great Blade Runner quotes in kind of honor of that. Right. And so, Miles, why
2: don't you go ahead and start out with number five and work our way down? So this is uh, from, from Gaff, played by the, the fantastic uh, Edward James Alamos, who we had a chance to meet a couple years ago. Kept thinking of him as
1: I rewatched Blade Runner. Me too. <laughs> All the time. But,
2: but uh, it's too bad she won't live. But then again,
1: who does? Right. Mm-hmm. Number four, Deckard said replicants are like any other machine. They're either, they're either a benefit or a hazard. If they're a benefit, it's not my problem.
2: Right. Number three, this is from Pris. Must get lonely in here, J.F. J.F. Sebastian says, not really. I make friends. They're toys. My friends are toys. I make them. It's a hobby. I'm a genetic engineer. (laughs) It's a little creepy seeing these little people walking around. (laughs) It is. Mm. Uh,
1: Number two is from Terrell. The light that burns twice as bright burns for half as long. And you have burned so very brightly, Roy. Look at you. You're the prodigal son. You're quite a prize.
2: Right. And this is from Deckard. And this is in the the, uh, theatrical release version where it's him narrating. I don't know why he saved my life. Maybe in those last moments he loved life more than he ever had before. Not just his life, anybody's life, my life. All he wanted were the same answer the rest of us won. Where did I come from? Where am I going? How long have I got? All I could do is sit there and watch him die.
1: Very poignant
2: quote. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, probably speaks volumes beyond just the movie itself. Uh,
2: I took a lot from that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Miles, for the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And if you want to contribute your own Sci-Fi 5 and 5, call us at one 508 4343 or email us an MP3 or just text and we'll read it in the show. And um, you can do that at Sci-Fi at gmail.com. I believe that's about it, Miles. We've got to wrap up the show. All right. Well, until next
2: time, folks, good night and good luck. Yeah. Thank you for joining us.